Broadcasting live, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. With your hosts, Honest Abe and Adam K. the Brewmeister. Listen to the show anywhere in the free world at kmatalkradio.com. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning to all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the leave. Honest Abe here with KMA Talk Radio with my special sidekick, the best producer that we could possibly afford. Honestly, he's probably not even worth that these days. Wow. DeGracco Broadcasting. (laughs) Where are you at this uh, currently? I don't even know where you're at. I am back in my mother-in-law's basement. You're back at Mama's? Yeah. Yeah, I was... uh... We were up in Boston for a little bit, but we are now back on Long Island, and uh, and that's how you say it, by the way. You don't say in Long Island. You say on Long Island. Oh, excusez-moi. <laughs> so, and yeah. Joining us as a special guest host today, the South Paul from South Philly himself. It is South Philly, right? It is South Philly. Alex. It is South Philly. Tavella, whose name is often misspelled and mispronounced. Yes, I'm back for my second show. You're back for your second show. Alex is actually broadcasting from Boynton Beach headquarters as well. Wait, so, so he's um, like sitting next is he like sitting next to you? Like no. we're an office down. He's an office down. Why Worlds would you away, be but so why close. wouldn't you be close? Like be in the same in the same uh, room. We would assume I try to Mike. avoid that at all costs. Yeah. Besides mics and anything else. <laughs> but I believe it'd be a mic issue, Paul. Yeah. I think we'd pick up each other's talking on each other's mics. Oh, good thing you know about that kind of stuff. So uh, when's the official come home date? Because maybe you'll actually start doing some adequate work. All I know is this, is this your first or second KMA show, Alex? This is my second. My first was the infamous Lars Teton show. Oh yeah. You had the, when I was out. Yeah. Paul was out. Yes. I was Paul that day. Okay. So, this is like Alex is really as far as I'm concerned, like really first like full sit in KMA show, right? And he made fun of your. I haven't read it yet, but he said the insane asylum is garbage. You might as well throw it out. He's under yes, full I'm, protest. Yeah, full so protest. I, I I'm, had, I'm writing it. I'm writing an appeal already. I just I <laughs> had to tell him that's just typical par Paul DeGracco work quality. So don't you know don't take it personal. I mean, uh, listen, it's either that or I belong in the asylum. I'm not sure. I mean, you'd be well, the judge, be, but could be a little bit of both. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't read it yet, so that being oh, way, said. To, way, to, way to tease it. Way to tease it for the show. <laughs> hey, guys, we're going to do a two-hour show. By the way, the end of it really sucks. Sucks. <laughs> I just found it funny that that's the first thing he said because that's, like, the number one complaint I have every week of Paul. Like, like Paul must just, like, Google one thing and whatever the first article that comes up, this is it. I'm no. running with it. No, that's not. I mean, honestly, Paul, you should – me, I would start with Florida Man. And branch out from there. You, you can never lose the Florida man. <laughs> Listen, we had a discussion ye- about two years ago that we do too much Florida man stuff. So we, I mean, we, there's what, there's just so much think, content. Yeah, I don't think we ever had an issue with it. I just found it the anomaly of typically the asylums being Florida people, you know, 
strange. Well, here's the here's the here's the thing that I instituted when I came in. I want it to be a, a recent story, which was not the case before I came on. People would take stories from years ago. Two, I wanted to make I want to make sure it's a an actual real event. And three, uh, I don't remember what yeah. three was. Three, go back to the. I have one. a I have yeah. a third. But I like it to be relevant. So some weeks there's light, crazy news. And I'm not going to take something from 2015, which was, you know, the previous. I don't want to throw people under the bus, but the previous producer. Thor, I did not, not say we'd be 30 minutes late. The over and under was 10-10 today. So and it was what definitely you, under. What were you guys talking about? Oh, yeah. The, 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 the smoke-in whereby chat, by the way, our, our virtual lounge seems to be packed most nights. Uh, weeknights between like 10 and like one in the morning. So I happened to stroll in there to a packed house last night. And one of the discussions was the probability that today's show was going to start on time and without a problem. Why? I don't understand. Why is that even a conversation? Oh, you should ask. They bought it up. It wasn't me. They bought it up. I don't know, Paul. Sounds like a reflection of you. Paul, Paul just muted himself. Great. Everybody no. prepared yourself for an awesome show this week. Oh, no, I didn't. Sorry. My wife is standing oh. here looking for me. So I oh. don't know what she I don't oh, know what she, she wants. Your wife doesn't know where you'd be between ten and twelve every Saturday. She's looking okay. for you. She's no, she was just telling me that the baby's no, no. sleeping and she's leaving. Okay, no, no. Listen, take your time. I, I understand. Any, what do you want me to do? Is there anything else you guys need to discuss? We can no. put you on. No. No? <laughs> In fact, if I was you, I just would have put her on the thing and just let, had that conversation over the show. It might have been entertaining. I don't want Quentin. I don't want Quentin Thor to see my wife. I, he always asks to see my wife and my mother. I've already texted pictures. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to. <sighs> Listen, I want to bring up something serious. Listen, that... if I looked like you, Paul, I'd be showing off my wife to everybody. Is that is that why you, you did, have pictures you of your beautiful wife all over short, the place? Stubby, you know, you know, hey, 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 average-looking guy with feminine qualities. You did pretty oh, good. Oh, Jesus! Here we go. <laughs> I'd be, qualities. I'd be, I'd be walking around with a shirt with my wife's picture on it. This is my wife. Yeah, <laughs> look what I did. That's what I'd be doing. Uh, well, after this trip, she might not be my wife anymore. She might, she might leave me because we're at each other's throats here. Oh, that would just be too easy, Paul. You got a good at least another 15, 20 years of that misery. <laughs> Getting out now would be just too easy. <sighs> no, it's, it's, you know, it's stressful. We're ready to be home, man. Listen, but wait. When, when they leave you, it's typically after you've raised all the kids, paid for everything, sacrificed every hour and blood and sweat of your life to them, <laughs> paid off the house. And just got to the point now where maybe you could coast the rest of your life, then they'll leave you and take half. And that's why they're smarter than us. That's how that works. <laughs> and then you got to go back to work so you can afford the little condo that you got on the water to be a bachelor right. again. So Jeff, I just gave you a glimpse of your future. Jeff, Jeff Walsh is saying marriage should be outlawed. Uh, I guess that means that, that Jeff is, is uh, happily married for, what, 30 years or so? <laughs> 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 Listen, I want to bring up something serious and, and not to bring anything down, but you had a really nice post yesterday. And uh, we shared it on the KMA page. You shared it on Smoke In. But you had a, a, a nice little reflection and, and viewpoint on the on, on yesterday being September 11th and 
you know, remembering the past and, and people coming together. So I wanted to talk about that briefly, if that's if that's cool, or unless you don't want to talk about your feelings. No, I have no problem talking about my feelings. <laughs> no, I thought I thought it was very well, very well said, very well put that, you know, put all this other political BS and all that stuff behind us. And uh, I'm going to sneeze. And <clears throat> man, Bless this, you. Is a, this is a great show. Um, no, but put all that political stuff behind us and come together as a country. I really honestly believe that right now, that this, that this country is so divided. Like you would hope look, that there would be at least one day where we can all... I think 9-11 is one of those things for most of us. I mean, I, there's, there, there's, there was two major tragedies that I could recall. Uh, three, really, major tragedies. I, I might be forgetting them, but three come to mind, distinct moments in my life where I know exactly where I was when I heard the news. And, and what I was doing, and I don't forget, you know, for a lot of, you know, the older generations, you know, you know, the Kennedy assassination is one of those moments. Obviously, I was too young or maybe wasn't even born. I wasn't born. Um, the, the Challenger blowing right. up. I remember yep. exactly where I was. I was in a bathroom stall in my in my middle school when I heard that listening on a Walkman that I wasn't supposed to have in school. Um, the Oklahoma bombing was one of those for me. Um, and, uh, you know, the Twin Towers, I mean, I, 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 I think as an American, it's really hard not to somewhat get a lump in your throat in that time. And you know what? And I remember how the country was the days after, and I think someone wrote about it. And it's just a shame that it takes like tragedies like that to bring us together because it is a divide and it's a divide. I don't know. I can't talk. And I, 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 I we talked about this last night. I've made I've made a personal choice to avoid political discussions on social media. It's to no avail. Um, you're not convincing anybody. You're not changing anybody's mind. So why are you even posting it? You know your own personal view. And if you're just looking for all the like-minded people to pat you on the back, well, then that's great. To me, it, it doesn't really serve a purpose. Nobody's waking anybody up. And these people who think that their posts are going to wake up anybody, no matter which side of the fence you're on, it doesn't go. So I just really thought it'd be nice for a day. But of course, there were tons of political posts and no one cared. And that's just the way that works. Well, here, here's the thing, too, you know, and I think we kind of lose grasp of that. Um, you know, social media is dominated by the younger generation. And for a lot of the younger generation, uh, 9-11 is just a piece of history. They didn't, yeah. they don't have a where was I. You know, yeah. like, I know about Pearl Harbor, but I wasn't there. I don't remember right. where I was, you know, so it's a little different of a feeling that we get who experience, who remember where we were, who were, you know, kind of part of it than people that, you know, they're reading it in their high school textbooks now. I'll, I'll tell yeah, you but... who had a really great perspective on it, and and it's it's funny because we know him as a kind of a party animal, but, you know, Juan Cancel, who was there, who was on oh, the pile he lived, for... He, he lived it, yeah. He, right, for, right. He... He really, he said for years he didn't do anything on that day. You know, he had he had friends, very close friends that passed away. And he, he said there was one year that uh, someone from a cigar company before, he, before they started protocol uh, invited him to an event and said, and Juan said, I can't go. It's 9-11. I don't do anything fun that day. I can't smile that day. Like this is, it's a horrific day. And uh, th this cigar brand owner, I, I wish I'd remembered who it was, said to him, you were there. You were a part of this. The people that you lost, you're going to always remember them. 
and the hard work and the and you risking your life every day on the job is a reason for you to smile on this day that you guys got through this, that, you, that you're here and your friends and your fallen brothers would want you to enjoy the day. Remember them, but remember them, you know, in a, in a happy way. And he, he talked about that was kind of like a turning point for him, you know, maybe three or four years after September 11th. And, you know, he, he really saw it. I mean, he really lived it and was on the pile and pulling people out of debris, hoping to find people. And uh, it was just a really, he was on Coop show talking about it the other night and, it was a, I was a just going to cool say, you obviously watched Coop's show. Yeah, it was a really cool side of him, though. That that, and then he then he took a couple shots, and he was you know old Juan again. But <laughs> it was it was really nice. It was a really heartfelt explanation of of what he does and his remembrance of it, and you know, especially from a guy like that that risked his life and he was there twenty hour days for you know three months straight. It was uh, it was cool to it was cool to hear from him and, and hear that perspective because for years you know I wasn't. I wasn't down there. I went to school two blocks away at, at Pace University, and I happened to have been at my parents' house on Long Island, and I was on the Long Island Railroad and saw the smoke coming from the tower. I was listening to the Stern Show on, a, on an FM radio, of all things, and I, uh, I, they said a, a plane hit the, the towers, and I immediately thought of the story my grandmother told me when I was a kid when she was in the Army that a plane hit the Empire State Building. It was an accident. So I was like, "Oh my God, that's that, terrible!" When I got the first call about the plane right. hours. That's exact. I, I was I was in our first smoking location. I was my day off, so I was in a white t-shirt and, and and shorts, and I was doing some paperwork in the back. And one of our my patrons called me up. He said, "Holy cow!" And he's like freaking out. And I'm thinking in my brain, like a little like propeller plane, right. dude. Like you know, Same was here. drunk, wasn't see where he's going, whatever. Ran into the building, not a clue. And then when he calls me back, like moments later to tell me another one and i was like what and that's when i jumped up front and started watching the news yeah i saw the second plane hit because the train stopped before it went into the tunnel to go into penn station i mean it was, it's far but i saw the second plane hit then it then yeah. the train started moving again we went into penn station i was about to get on the subway i had my metro card swiped and something told me you know what why don't you call your dad and just check in with him cell phones weren't working i used a pay phone and he said I think you should get out of there. And I was like, I'm going to call the school. I called the school and they're like, get out of here while you still can. They were using this. They're using the school as a tree. out. It was a, anyway, I got out on like one of the last Long Island railroad trains out before they shut everything down. And I got home to my parents' house to see the towers fall. So it was, it, it was a, it was a tough day going back. There was a nightmare. Like they had used the school as a triage. It was just a, it was a day that for, for many, for many years for me, um, it was, was kind of the same thing. It was more of a solemn day. I used to take off from work. I wouldn't work those days. I would just kind of sit home and, and feel sorry. But there, I want to just bring up a quick comment that we had from someone that was uh, talking. Mike Axe said that one of the most profound things he's heard is you should act today the way you did on 9-12-2001. The, the, the camaraderie that we all had the day after September 11th and the days following that it was a it was a, a really good example of how people in general, not just this country, but how people in general can can unite and be together. And then but, they forget. Yeah. I, I know they say never forget, but they it seems like we sure do. That's the problem. I yeah. mean, look, we just had we just had a, a, a regular uh, a fellow patron that Alex and I both known for many years. We played poker with him regularly. He just passed away, and that's kind of what got me in the mood, man. Anytime 
you're around death. That's when your sentiment starts going off. And then I start thinking of all my older friends who I haven't contacted in a while and I got, I should call. And, you know, and that's one of those things, but yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's going to be a nine 11 ever where you just can't just, just the thought of it doesn't really choke you up on some level. And, and, and what Alex was saying is true. Like the, the kids that didn't experience it need to know about it. it. It was, this was this was not like something back in history, you know, a hundred years ago. This was right. like we we lived. This was here in the modern world when the U.S. was, you know, at its peak. <laughs> you know, it's it's. Anyway, I, I agree with all the yeah. sentiments, and I just wanted to bring that up because I I was really touched by it in in all honesty, and I thought it was a, a real profound perspective on on how we as a as a country need to need to kind of maybe we have different viewpoints but we need to be united in, in you know together in at least the cause that we're all here for the same reason for yeah. all of us to prosper and have good lives and raise our children and all that kind of stuff but, yeah I don't think people are capable of putting it on pause for 24 hours even that's just unfortunate but that's the way right. it is right yeah. um, well anyway that being that said, said <laughs> yeah Go ahead. We didn't get the soundbite yet. When's Colin coming back, man? I miss my man, Colin. We, Colin's actually, we timely, need to talk after the time, show. Paul, you've been saying that for two weeks. We need to talk I, after I understand. The show. I'll and show then, you my... Paul, and then I don't hear from you until Thursday night. I'm late. I'm having a life travesty. I'll get you the paperwork in the morning. <laughs> That's amazing. I just had that conversation with Paul. Literally, bro. It's a <laughs> Every week. Like, like literally at 9 a.m. I just had that like conversation. Long Island. Oh, you won't believe my day. Oh, my God. I'll get you the paperwork in the morning every Thursday. <laughs> every Thursday. Uh, we're, we're planning on having him before the end of the month. Good. It'd be nice to have his talent and skill back on KMA. I believe he makes a much more lively show. It'd be nice to have somebody with talent and skill on the show. Definitely not our producer, but go ahead. <laughs> so um, we uh, we are honored to have live from uh, the Dominican Republic right now um, the uh, the owner and founder of La Flor Dominicana Mr. Lito Gomez is with us how are you sir I'm doing great guys how are you good oh, good good morning good morning Lito good morning you were supposed to be back in the states today you were supposed to be back yesterday was that correct uh, uh, yes uh, I was but then uh, um, uh, the, this, um, um, the president, the new president of the Dominican Republic, uh, is coming to Santiago today, and um, <clears throat> to meet with cigar with the um, uh, cigar industry people. And uh, I, I was not planning on going. I, w- I was going to send Tony to uh, uh, to this event, and. Um, and then I, I, I got a call from the um, uh, minister of the presidency, uh, which is the second guy from the president, whatever whatever that means. Right. Um, uh, and, you know, he called me that, you know, he uh, asked me, please, to be at that meeting today. That it was wow. very important. So, uh, I, I changed my flight. I, when you get a call from somebody like that, it's you got to change your plan. <laughs> uh, sure. And uh, so I had that meeting today at 5 p.m. 
and and it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, uh, it, it's good that the president, you know, comes to meet with us. And uh, I, I don't know if he smokes cigars or not, or if he knows anything about cigars. But uh, after this meeting today, he will know about it. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, uh, you know, he needs to understand that, um, you know, cigars for Dominican Republic, it is like wines for France. Sure. Okay. Uh, it's, it's something that the country should be proud of. Uh, and it's part of the culture of the country. Uh, uh, and and it is a, it, it's for many people Dominican Republic is known through cigars. Absolutely, I think there might be people that only know the Dominican that. Republic. Yes, for cigars. Uh, yeah. And you know, you know how many how many people have visited Dominican Republic just to come and visit cigar factories or or, or you know. Uh, uh, to do some cigar event or attend to Pro Cigar Festival, uh, you know, uh, and it is what Dominican Republic is known for. And uh, so, uh, you know, if if I look for something equivalent to what cigars in Dominican Republic will be, you know, wines in France and, you know, uh, uh, and, and things that countries are very well known for. Uh, uh, and uh, that's the case for Dominica. He, you know, uh, they should really, really be uh, um, uh, something that uh, cigars should be like, you know, part of all the ambassadors of Dominican Republic should have cigars in their embassies, uh, uh, whatever the country they're they're in, and uh, they will um, they should promote it uh, as a pride of the country. Did you did you have the meeting already, or is that meeting scheduled for later today? It's today at five p.m. Yes. Do you know what the meeting's regarding? Uh, they, the president wants to know uh, what we need, uh, how things are working for us. Uh, if we if there, there are any problems for for the industry as far as uh, um, uh, like you know how customs work, um, uh, how you know the uh, um, uh, free zones organization, uh, the uh, the advantages or disadvantages that we have with the free zone, the the, the, the office that administrates all the free zones in, in the country, uh, and uh, if there are any issues that we encounter, whether when when we import tobacco or when we export cigars, and he wants to know, you know how, you know how what issues we have and how, you know, they can solve it. And uh, also about the situation in the fields. Um, how, how are the fields? What can we do to improve tobacco growing in, 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 uh, uh, in the valley? And uh, all these things are very important. Uh, so this uh, is really strictly just a meeting that they've put. They want to just assess the state of the industry. I think that's amazing. I think it's great. Yeah, it is great, uh, and you know, it, it came from him. Uh, the uh, uh, and I remember, you know, with previous presidents, um, uh, as a member of ProCigar, you know, we had to ask for a meeting uh, and and to go to the president's office, 
and and uh, meet with him and take our concerns and our issues to him. Uh, this guy just came into office and you know he's coming to talk to us. Uh, uh, he's coming to to Santiago to especially uh, 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 to to speak to us. So it, I think it's a very very good thing. No, that's uh, awesome. Neutral. Also Hopefully that means he rec he recognizes what you're saying, how important the industry is to the Dominican Republic. Uh, I, 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 I will try my best to make him understand that, yes. I'm sure he'll be leaving with some, some La Flor Dominicana cigars. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking how, of how, cigars, what, yeah. are you, what are you smoking? Because we have a few people asking, Lito. Uh, okay, this is, uh, this is a, a Lanox. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, yesterday I, you know, I was, I, I was sorting, uh, I, I was working with the, uh, uh, sorting of the, uh, um, uh, wrappers from, uh, two years before from the farm and, uh, we were sorting Habano 2000, uh, wrappers, uh, which we tested for the first time a couple of years ago. And, uh, so I took a couple of leaves and um uh you know went to the rolling room and asked the uh, um uh rolling room uh, uh master guy to uh, roll a lanox with this uh, two, uh habana 2000 wrapper from our farm oh wow from so from 2018 uh, uh crop are you just uh, always smoking test test blends do you ever get to enjoy your your normal lines uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you know the, the, the you know you you testing blends uh, like like I'm doing now and I'm, I'm trying to see how this specific wrapper blends with um, um, uh, with this with the blend of Lenox uh, specifically. I didn't I, I didn't try to make a, a special blend for this wrapper uh, yet, but I just put decided to put in Lenox to see how they. Uh, how the uh, uh, the wrapper works with the filler and binder, and uh, it, it's uh, you know believe it or not, it's just uh, I'm enjoying it very much. And you know sometimes you try uh, you want to try a blend and you smoke a couple of inches and then you go on to something else. And uh, this baby here is gonna go all the way to here where I burn in my finger. <laughs> okay, I smoke about an inch already and it's just getting better. It, it's funny because Alex and I were grabbing our cigars for the show, and Alex actually grabbed the cigar that he had at a, his first ever tasting event in Eddie's Cigar Shop, which was an Airbender. Yes, yes, two thousand. I want to say like two thousand ten. It was my first cigar shop event ever, and it was. I want to say I think it was your son. Your son's about eight foot tall, right? Yeah. Yeah. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Nine. Yes, order. yes, that was my first ever cigar vendor. It was for the Airbender. Where was it? In Philly? No, no, it was at uh, Puros in Del Rey, little hole in the wool yeah. shop. Boy, you've come I, a long way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is is that shop still there? They are still there. Oh, yes. Awesome. He he's got a you know he's got a little following enough to you know That's all you need sometimes get That's by and and do what he does you know. You ever, but, stopped, um, you ever stopped in there since you started working here? I haven't been there in a long time. Um, it's been a while. You know, I kind of became a smoke-in guy. But 
you know, for I did what I suggest that every new cigar smoker does. I I trusted the tobacconist. What what should I try? Call back. I like this. I didn't like this. This was too strong. And then he, you know, when we we went from there, and like I said, my first event just so happened to be a uh, an Airbender event. That's nice. Yeah, I didn't have that benefit when I when I started smoking cigars. Like the shops that we had, I think I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I went to my the, my local shop here. There's two, and one is new, so and it's really nice, and it has a real good boutique selection. But the one I used to go to was basically a convenience store. I mean, they have a humidor with premium cigars, but nothing that we normally smoke on the show. Uh, so it was, it's. I go back there now. I'm like, oh my god, this is this is not what I remember. And, and I didn't have people to, to sit there and say, hey, this is what you should try. This is what you like. You know, it's not it's not that kind of shop. It's kind of like a clerk at a counter. That wasn't a cigar shop. That was a store that sold cigars. It's two different. Exactly. Two different I agree. Type, that's right. two different businesses. Right. But, yeah, they're called a tobacconist is their name. But, you know, you kind of go. Yeah, in it's, it's, it, it's amazing, guys, how, you know, the uh, uh, the, the, the quality of cigar shops, um, the uh, the level of the quality in cigar shops, as far as uh, the setup of the shops, with the lounges, uh, and, and the professionalism of the people that are working in cigar shops now nowadays, from the old times, how this how this section of the industry has improved, I'm I'm, I'm fascinated with it. Well, uh, both, there's, there's both a great sides. level of professionals, huh? Both sides, Lito. I mean, even if you look at how many guys are making good cigars today, you know, oh back God, in the yeah, no, the, the yeah I mean, the, the whole industry has risen. But because what happened was when you go back to when I first got in the cigar business, which, you know, literally was during the boom. But if you go before that, right before the boom, cigars were a product. It wasn't a passion, you know, and it was basically sales, you know, I mean. There was, I, I don't know, because I don't see a history of it. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't. But I think cigars have become more of a society and and a, a brotherhood and a sisterhood and a passion and a lifestyle. So now you just couldn't be this type of cigar shop where a guy walked in and didn't even know a guy's name. I'll take a box of those and he walks out the door. It became to the point where now you became actually, these people became your social friends. Your friends in and out of business it became a lifestyle. And I think that's what elevated the level of cigar shops. And then since the boom, you know, because we've got, we went, we went from being literally a, a strict product business to a lifestyle business, right? That's what, what changed it. And then the boom post boom, I mean, there's, there's more companies making honestly quality cigars now than you could ever have dreamed of. I mean, this is a consumer's market. You know, you, you have to work, really hard to find a now i'm not saying it's a blend you don't like or a blend that doesn't fit your taste profiles because you know that's in any aspect whether it's food or booze or whatever exactly. it doesn't doesn't mean the quality but back when i first got in there was a lot of poor quality cigars on the shelves like construction burns i mean just it was bad and today it's hard yeah, to that, find that was during the boom yeah i mean it was yeah. tons of bad product that was rushed to the shelves and, and to fill up the gaps. And today it's hard to find. There's a lot of legitimate and, and a lot of smaller boutique brands who have made products and, and have found their way now through social media and, and, and making quality product. And, you know, when I was first getting in, you were just about one of the size of just an entry level boutique brand. I, I remember 
And and I remember once we were on KMA, you even talked about how when you first got in the business, um, you called the Toro a Bellicoso because you didn't even know what the yeah, yeah, yeah. size was. You just thought it was a cool sound. To me. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the questions, I think, when I first had Lito on early on in KMA. He says, why would you call this a Bellicoso? It's a Toro. And he just was honest about it. He says, Look, I didn't know. I heard the name. You, I think you, great you know how that happened? Yeah, tell us the story again. Yeah, I, 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 I was, I was looking, you know, I was releasing this size, right? It's, it's a small Toro, uh, uh, fifty-two by five and a half, and uh, so I'm, I'm looking through a list of sizes of cigars, okay, and um, uh, it, from uh, I think it was uh, from Cuba, Monte, Monte Cristo, line up of the names of the cigars. Uh, with the size, and I saw this 52 by five and a half, and it said Balicoso, okay? And then I say, okay, yeah, you know, that that's the generic name for that size. But then I found out later on that the Balicoso had, you know, the uh, the uh, uh, the head uh, made in a different way. Right. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's so funny how those things and, happen. And but you kept you, that you, name, and you kept that name for years. You, you didn't change it. Yeah, because it, it's uh, it's it reminds me of these uh, things that Period. you do when you don't know shit about what you're doing. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, it, it, it's it's funny. I you know, I remember things that I did uh, back in the day, uh, and uh, uh, I laugh today. It's just funny for me. But you know, I I and I remember. Uh, if you were talking about the bad cigars during the mid nineties, um, you know I remember being in here uh, in Santiago, um, and I had twelve rollers at the factory. Okay, at the time I'll make probably about you know three hundred thousand cigars a year back in those days, and uh, with that amount of rollers, and uh, uh, I had like a million cigars in back order. Okay, so. But then the thing was, there was no tobacco. There was no good tobacco to make cigars. I could not increase my production. Okay, I mean, my tobacco supplier will give me a, you know, a couple of bells of tobacco more, you know, uh, every now and then. And but you know, the increases were very, very small. And and, and I remember that you know, the, there was a factory opening up, a new factory opening up, a couple of blocks from me with 40 cigar rollers, and they didn't have one tobacco leaf. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, That's they, were why... paying the, they were paying the rollers without working. They were not producing anything, and they were going through the fields with bags of cash, trying to buy some kind of tobacco, something that would look like tobacco leaf, and, and, and they would roll cigars with it. Wow. That's what happened. There, there was no, 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 no no concern for quality or anything like that. They just had orders for cigars and they wanted to roll them and sell them. And that's what and, happened. Guys who had I tobacco. I, I, I stayed almost without growth during the cigar boom. It was, there was no tobacco. I started growing after the boom. Yeah. Guys who had tobacco who was, that was garbage that nobody wanted, that's the stuff that started getting used. Yeah, right, yeah, Lou, exactly, Roth, yeah. Lou Rothman, who's great at calling people out. I, I think he said it on my radio show once when we had Lou Rothman on, because there were guys who, who, who you know, 
without the foresight, right, and, and the thought, would, would come out with brands and say, this is made with 10 or 12-year-old rapper or 15-year-old rapper or whatever it is, right? And if you date that time, it means that rapper was around during the boom, which Lita will just tell you, there was no rapper around during the boom. No <laughs> that rapper is 15 years old. And Lou said it. If there was any tobacco that's from 15 years ago, it had to be the worst of the worst that the lowest level of people in this industry couldn't use. Because they were using every scrape they could find in the corner of a tobacco leaf during that time. Yeah, that's very, that, very that's true. That's when marketing that's people true. come up with ideas who don't really know the history. Right, and, right. And that, and that's what happened. And Lou would just call it, call him outright, saying, "Now that's full of shit." Yeah, so, Lou was great on that. He would yeah. call people out. Yeah, <laughs> he still is. No, he still does. <laughs> he does it every time he's on the show. Uh, but uh, definitely, the uh, uh, this is the uh, I I believe, uh, uh, and uh, um, the, the you know there was there was previous to to to, to, to the cigar boom. There, there, there was less. There was no, not really information about cigars. You know, you would go and you buy a cigar, but there was no information around it. There was no uh, romance around it, and, and uh, the, you know, there was no description of wrappers and origins and you know, origins of fillers and and and, and tasting notes and all these things that we that we started living in. You know, after 1992. Uh, uh, with the, uh, once the, maga the magazine came out and started informing people about cigars and, and the content and you know uh, the blends and uh, and tasting notes and then you know it's a beautiful thing how people started getting information and and uh, uh, you know starting to enjoy the cigars much more. Well, like Abe said, it became a lifestyle brand. The romance of of the cigars. Um, became became a, a huge part of the experience exactly and and here's what happened you know in in the, in the old days uh, cigar shops uh, you know you had the uh, the humidor you had the counter you had a cabinet with accessories and that was a cigar shop so you would come in you would buy in cigars you pay and you leave and then you know the government steps in and it starts putting regulations and prohibits smoking pretty much everywhere. So then, you know, cigar lounges start popping up in cigar shops. Okay, so the guy, the guys start coming in to smoke a cigar because you know there's very few places that you could smoke, and this cigar shop was a perfect place to do it in a lounge. So he came in to smoke a cigar. And then he finds a friend there, because that's what cigar people do. You find somebody smoking a cigar, you start talking. Absolutely. You start a conversation immediately. I mean, this happens to me when I'm traveling around somewhere. I sit down somewhere and smoke a cigar, and there is somebody else smoking a cigar. We start talking. Some kind of magic happens. And then, you know, because of this, you know, now you meet somebody and you meet a couple of other guys, and now, you know, you come back, and you're hoping to see those guys again. Right. You start making a friendship, yeah. okay? So now the guys start coming to a cigar shop, not only to smoke a cigar, but now it's a social thing. You want to come and see your friends and talk about whatever, 
okay, and have a great time with people that you like. So the right. the intentions of the government of trying to you know uh, uh, put uh, um, make it difficult for us to smoke, it turned out to be that because of that now the the cigar smoking community becomes stronger and more unified and and uh, more social and you know it's just it was an amazing thing that happened you know uh, I, and I think it's a contrary what. To what the government was looking for. Yeah, right. I, it, go, you know, it goes back to one of my sorry. It goes back to one of my most common cigar analogies I use is that cigar smoking's like sex. You could do it alone, but it's always better with company. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, right. Alex. What you saying? No, that's all right. That that was you know that I was part that of the, the draw for me as much as the cigars themselves. You know, I don't I don't drink, so I don't hang out in bars. I'm not a nightclub guy. And uh, so, you know, when I look at my options, there there weren't many other things to do for a guy in his late 20s, early 30s to go hang out, socialize, be around people, you know, for three, four hours. What am I going to do with a bar? I can only you know, I can only order waters for so long. And uh, like you said, there's that there's that thing about cigars, you know, two strangers who may have nothing in common and no for under normal circumstances, wouldn't cross paths, wouldn't speak. Uh, suddenly find themselves in a two-hour conversation over a cigar. Or may even and possibly, like in there, a normal situation, be considered almost like uh, they would enemies, you know? Like, I find right, that Right, right. I mean, I would never talk to Paul DeCrocco if he wasn't a cigar guy. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Well, that sounds about right, yeah. We, yeah, we would have never, never met if it hadn't been for one, Matt Goldapper, but two, cigars. We, you and I, there would, ne- there would not be a chance in hell that we let would me ask, be friends. Let me ask you something. Matt Goldabber doesn't introduce us. Is there a chance you ever end up walking into one of our shops? Yeah, I, I had been to your shop in West Palm. You well, actually before, before Matt introduced way us. Way before, way before oh. the, when I when I um when I first so started actually, visiting. You actually knew of me and still took the job. Oh, I didn't right. know who you were. I was oh. in the uh, oh. I I had been to the West Palm when I moved to the that area over there. Um, I, I remember looking for cigar shops. I, I Googled cigar shops. I had gone to the one on Clematis, and I didn't like it, and the one in downtown. And then I found your shop in West Palm, which uh, at the time yeah, was more of like a re- – The old one. Yeah, the old one. Not the current old one, one, yeah. Yeah, I worked with you when, when you built the, the new one. But it was – at the time, it was – I mean, it was huge for, for that size of a store. The, the selection was amazing. But it was uh, – it was definitely like a, more of a regular cigar shop that I remember from home, but it was, uh, I didn't find the Boynton beach headquarters until you and I, uh, met for the first time. And, and we don't have things like that in New York. You know, we have the Carnegie, we have the there, Carnegie no club room. here. You know, they don't have the room. They can't, they, they, I mean, they, they have the Carnegie right. club, but the Carnegie club has like six different cigars. I, I mean, it's not, there's not a huge selection, so it's not the same thing. There were some lounges that were like in basements. There was, there was one that we talked about with a, a couple of guys. I think Michael Herklotz and I were going down memory lane of all the old lounges that have disappeared. And, and it's funny because these people let go of a license to smoke and to, to serve alcohol, and then it becomes like a, a bubble tea store. Now they can never make it a cigar mm. lounge again with a bar. And you can't get – that's never going to happen again in New York. So if you have a, la- a bar that has a cigar shop where you can do both, it's, it's gold in New York City because you will yeah. never get that again. 
So it's sad to see some of them disappearing. But there's still a couple in there. But nothing like what your stores are. I know in Florida it's a little bit more common. I mean, you and Jeff have have the you know those big stores with the bars in them. But that to me was like, holy holy cow! Like what Lito's saying, like I can like hang out here. It's not a tiny little room with four old guys that are that I definitely do not. They are I'm not welcome there right now. Or it's just weird because they already have a click. Your lounges are so welcoming, and everybody's chat like it's it's different with the atmosphere well, that they I, what I, they have become. I think the guys that have found great success over the last, um, you know, almost twenty years, right? The guys who have found really great success were the operators and retailers who understood the lifestyle and the experience component, and not just the selling of the product. Right. Because you know, like I've always said, we're gregarious by nature, and Look, a product is something we enjoy, but that's not what we're going home and remembering and talking about. It's, man, I just had, we just roasted a whole pig in front of the shop with 12 of my friends this afternoon. What a great time this afternoon was. And I think the guys who embraced that didn't just sit back and wait for people to walk up to their door and buy shit and leave are the companies that that flourished. Because like I said, it went from a product-based industry to a lifestyle industry. You know, look, that's what made Harley Davidson, you know, when Harley Davidson went bankrupt and you know, was about to go out of business or whatever, they were selling motorcycles and they were selling motorcycles that weren't even that well made to boot. And then it became a lifestyle brand. And that's when Harley took off. Right now it's weekend warriors, it's business executives, it's not, you know, just, you know, you know, biker dudes, they made it a whole lifestyle brand. And that, that's kind of what the cigar industry went through. Yeah. Lito, what's the status of the factories from what i understand the factories in the dominican took the biggest hit with being closed for the longest amount of time yeah yeah um yeah we we, we were closed for almost a month and uh, you know when, when this whole thing started uh, i remember um you know people at the factory were panicking and uh, you know it was very it was very little information and you know and there was a lot of confusing information, uh, and you know nobody really knew much about you know what, what was going to happen, and you know, so um, uh, people started panicking, and uh, you know the rollers, you know, one day, uh, you know, they didn't, they wanted to stop working, and you know, I met with them, and uh, you know, I tried to uh, um, uh, convince them to. Um, you know, explain to them exactly what, you know, what the situation was and, and the things they should be careful with. And, um, uh, uh, but, you know, I, I could not convince them. Uh, so, you know, and I say, well, listen, guys, you know, if you, uh, if you, this is the way you feel, you know, just go home and, and uh, uh, uh and I'm I'm gonna pay you for the next three weeks. Uh, I'm gonna pay your salaries and uh, uh, go home. And then you know we will see what you know uh, uh, what the government comes up with and um, uh, and what's gonna happen. You know, just take a break. So we close and uh, and then uh, uh, you know three weeks later. The rollers were, you know, they were they were knocking in the door here. They, <laughs> they needed to get back uh, to work. To start yeah. to work again, sure. you know. Everybody was stuck at home, 
uh, and uh, all day. And, you know, with all this, it, it was the same situation. I mean, they, they were having the same issues at home and, you know, socializing with friends. Uh, and uh, it was the same issue. I mean, you have to be careful. You have to, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that. And uh, so, you know, they, they were already desperate to come back to work. And, uh, and they did. And, you know, uh, I, we had to set up the factory in a way that everybody will have, you know, the, uh, the proper distance. And, uh, you know, how are you doing that, Lito? Or do you have huh? do you have different? How are you doing that? Or do you have different shifts for the rollers? Are all the rollers back? Do you just have them uh, spread out? Well, we have them spread spread out. Right now, we are at six sixty percent uh, capacity. Okay. Okay. So we have to spread them. Like you know, we put these uh, uh, acrylic uh, separations between the rollers. So you know, if they turn around to talk to each other. Uh, you know, there is there is a there is a division there that protects them. Okay. They have the masks, and uh, you know, it, we put a, a, the same thing, a clear plastic uh, acrylic thing in front of them uh, in the uh, the rolling table. So when the supervisor comes to talk to him, uh, uh, you know, there, there's a separation, there's a protection there on top of the masks, and uh, so you know they're very well protected and. Uh, and then, you know, like in the sorting tables, for example, you know, you have, you know, a woman on one side and a woman on the other side. And, you know, we put a division of the table uh, um, and, and uh, so the, the, there is no, uh, no possibilities of uh, uh, contamination there. And then, but, you know, the, the problem is not at the factory, at the workplace. They're very well protected. I mean, all the measurements that we had to take and everything that we had to do is all done uh, perfectly. Uh, the, pr the problem is when they stand up and they go have lunch, right. you know, they get together uh, and, uh, you know, they, they don't behave that well socially, okay? Uh, but the, the time they spend at the, at the place of work is, very is the safest for them right now. And, uh, but we're still at, you know, 60% capacity and uh, so we are working at, you know, extra hours. We're working until 6 p.m. every day. And uh, we're working on Saturdays, okay, to make up for, um, um, you know, for the uh, uh, less production. Uh, eventually, if I cannot get to 100% safely, uh, I'm going to have to do two shifts. Because, you know, the okay. rollers can only, you know, rollers, cigar rollers can only do this extra hours for a certain amount of time, you know, a couple of months, maybe. Well, okay. After that, they get tired, you know, I, and I see it on the uh, rejection tables, you know, quality control start rejecting a lot of cigars. Okay. And that's because the rollers are tired. Okay. So it, it, this is just a temporary uh, measure that, you know, that, that we can take. You know, uh, you know, eventually I'm going to have to go to two, uh, two shifts. Lito, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't really address this, especially with what you're talking about with the rollers and double shifts now. While you make great product, and a lot of the country loves what you make, you are without a doubt notoriously one of the biggest back order guys I, I deal with on a regular basis. How much worse is COVID going to cause? Because 
you honestly have a hard time keeping certain product on the shelves before the pandemic. And guys like me who sell your product and dedicate shelf space, you know, we're concerned is how bad is it going to be now in the upcoming months when you're working with half capacity and not your normal full production? Because we were already experiencing problems before. Yeah. Um, you know, some some of the um, uh, or some or most of the issues with uh, some of the products that are usually in back orders, like, you know, like a double hero Maduro or, uh, you know, 700 Maduros or diggers and, uh, and uh, the, the Andalusian bulls. Uh, and, you know, some of these uh, uh, some of these issues are mostly because of materials. Acquiring okay. the materials to make the product. Exactly. You know, some in the case of Maduros, you know, uh, double hero Maduros, which is usually the most uh, the, the most uh, uh, back order cigars that we have. Okay. If you know, if the wrappers don't get to the co- right color, okay, I can't send them out to the market. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're the, they have they have the same flavor. They, they just don't. The they just. They just don't look like that. It, they just don't look like that. They, they, they're, they, you know, they're a, a couple of uh, a couple of notches down uh, as far as you know darkness, and they don't they don't fit in our lineup. And I, you know, they don't look the same. They smoke the same. They, they taste the same, but they don't look the same. I can't send them out. Unfortunately, I can't do that. Okay, they're very dark and everything, but they're not as dark as they should be. It's very uh, funny because anybody who is an early VSG smoker, back before it was a regular, you know, open order item, VSGs when it first came out from Ashton, was, was, it was allocated, right? So, like, you got a shipment once a quarter, that was it. They would be different shades every time we got them. I used to, <laughs> no, I mean, it really was. Because I would look for the darkest boxes. Oh, really? Yes, because I always felt they they tasted better. I mean, I I, I don't know if it was psychological. I don't know because you know, you know Lito's telling telling us now. You know, hey, look, they taste the same. Just the wrapper didn't get to the right, you know, color. But I remember just personally myself. So whether it's justified or not, I could see why he's saying that because as a consumer, if that color wasn't as dark, or it didn't look like that rich oily like. Uh, I, I would rather have not smoked it. I would have looked for the box. Exactly, yeah. yeah. You know, even you know, our, the double hero naturals use the same wrappers as the VSG. You know, it, it's a Sumatra, high prime in Sumatra. Okay, ligero, and uh, you know, I can't. You know, Sumatra is one of the toughest wrappers to grow. Uh, in, in fact, some you know, like the Olivas, for example, in Tampa. Okay, uh, you know, great family of tobacco growers. They stopped growing Sumatra. Okay, in in Ecuador, because you know, only I mean, a very small percentage of the yield the is whole, very bad. The whole uh, leaf, content of leaves in a plant will qualify for yeah. the type of tobacco that that uh, we use for our blends. Okay, which is the darker, you know, with a very attractive color. Uh, 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 Sumatra wrappers, and you know all the rest. Nobody wants it, so it, it, they didn't make any money with Sumatra, and you know they and and they stopped growing it. And I told them, listen, raise the fucking price of the thing, <laughs> you know, but don't stop growing it. 
you know. Right. So you know, it, it, it was a time in which I was desperate, you know, uh, desperately looking for uh, uh, people that would still grow Sumatra and Ecuador to continue uh, to continue using that those wrappers. But they are very difficult, and you know, if the color is not the right, is not the right when you open a box of double hero, whether it's the natural or the Maduro, if the color, you know. Uh, if I don't have the right colors, I'm not going to put them in a box. Yeah, no, it's I'm true. You know, it, 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 it is what it is. Well, uh, you're famous. The, you're famous for that, Lito. I mean, you, you the the last time you were on the show live at the at, in Boynton Beach with us, I think you said uh, some of the first cigars when you were first starting out, you threw out s- several thousand cigars just because they they. It was they more good. than forty thousand. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, they were bad. What am I going to do? I'm going to make you pay for my mistakes. <laughs> I can't, uh, and and uh, so it, it's you know uh, if if we can send the right cigars, if I can make them right the way they're supposed to be, uh, and and if they look right, I will I will, I will make them. Otherwise, I I cannot make them. So it, mostly in in most cases, you know, other than you know obviously the Andalusian bull, which you know the the demand uh, even. Two years later, it, 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 it's a huge demand for for that cigar. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, it's a figurado. It's a you know, it's a very different shape. It's complicated to make, and uh, and those you know that uh, corojo wrapper is not easy to come across. Okay, uh, and uh, so it's mostly you know uh, complications with materials. We're having the right materials. Uh, for the cigars, and, so COVID, uh, COVID shouldn't be a big impact in making it, it work. Then. It, you know, we had a great, you know, inventory of, you know, the cigars that we don't have problems, you know, getting getting uh, supplied with the right materials. We had a really great inventory of cigars, and that was what helped us during this time of, you know, when we started with thirty percent of the production. We had a month that we were closed. And then, you know, for the, f- the first two months after we started again, reopened, we had just 30% of the production, okay? And, but we had a great inventory of cigars. But, you know, now it's coming to a point in which, you know, I have to increase the production because inventory is getting lower. Good. Okay. So and I don't, I don't foresee that it's going to be a, a, a really bad issue with um, with the amount of cigars we'll be able to produce, okay? Uh, uh, and, you know, it, it can be, a, you know, a couple of weeks back order or something like that. Uh, uh, but I don't see a, a crisis coming. Well, good. I think that's good news to everybody. Lito, we got to take a short break. Before we take the break, I just want to um, bring up, and we'll, we'll get more into it when we come back from the break, that um, earlier on this year... Um, there was a, a, a little controversy where the Pro Cigar Festival got attacked and it kind of got into a little heated debate. And we had Rocky on shortly after that. We kind of talked about it a little bit. We've never talked to you about that incident. And uh, I want to touch base on that and get a little bit into that when we come back from this short little break from our okay. sponsors. We'll be right back. Keep okay. it lit. Hola a todos, mi nombre es Elmer Suárez de la Flor de Copán en Honduras. 
My name is Ernesto Cranwinkel and I'm from La Romana, Dominican Republic. Hola, mi nombre es Diana, soy de Manizales, Colombia. Días, Freddy Molina desde Estelí, Nicaragua. Hola amigos, saludos a todos. María Santis, orgullosa de ser puertorriqueña. Cheers, I'm Oliver, I'm from London, England. I love H. Uman Añejo. My favorite H. Upman Dominican cigar is the H. Upman Banker. My favorite H. Upman cigar is the Herman's Batch. Favorite H. Upman is the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Mi cigarro favorito es H. Upman Española. I highly recommend you try the H. Upman 175th anniversary, awarded number 10 cigar of 2019. One world together with H. Upman. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Welcome all our loyal listeners, libertarians, and lovers of the Leaf Honest Abe here with KMA Talk Radio. We are in hour two broadcasting. I'm broadcasting live from our headquarters in Boynton Beach, Florida, along with our Southpaw from South Philly, uh, Alex Tavala, and our Producer, the best that we can afford, broadcasting from the island, Paul DeGracco. I just went to Alex. I didn't see that he wasn't there yet. Oh, I saw it. <laughs> I, I introduced him first and you second, figuring that you would put me and you on the screen. <laughs> he was still taking a little potty break. <laughs> He's not used to these uh, these long shows uh, sitting. Two hours, yes. <laughs> two hours of not being able to get up and leave. Um but yeah, uh, Lito. Once again, that we have Lito Gomez from La Florida Dominicana. Uh, I've been a guest many times on KMA Talk Radio. Always uh, honor and a pleasure to have you on, Lito. Um, Thank you. Before the break, I brought up something, and I, and I'd like to discuss it because you know, uh, it, you know, this industry a lot not a lot of times things go public, and I think the consumers get shocked when they see it. But I think it was back in February, and there were some nice, or maybe March, there were some nice photos. Uh, that we either posted or put up somewhere from the Pro Cigar Festival, I believe it was. And Rocky had made a comment about the photos to the tone of supporting legislation and not events like this. And, and it, 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 it triggered you. And, and, and I think that it was a, eventually it got taken down. I think it was it on Cigar Aficionado's uh, website. Is that where the, there was a, a, a yeah. basically, a dialogue going back and forth between you and Lito and his, his, his post seemed to make you really upset. And what, what, what was the well, Rocky Rocky? No, Lito got upset. Rocky. Had made no, a... you said between you and Lito. Oh between yeah. Baby, Lito and Rocky. Between you and Rocky. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, what was the trigger of, of what set that off? Uh, well, um, <clears throat> uh, Rocky made a comment on, uh, a picture of all the, uh, you know, there was a very nice picture of the lineup um, uh, of the Pro Cigar members, okay? And, uh, you know, the comment was, you know, what I see is a whole bunch of people that don't contribute to the fight for, you know, to protect cigars. To, and I, I read that. Uh, and I was actually sitting on a plane, uh, waiting to depart from Santiago to Miami, and uh, I, I I got really upset at that. Okay, I I saw that as an attack to my industry, as an attack to the Dominican Republic, 
uh, uh, cigar industry. Um, and saying it, if you put it like that, you're not even identifying who in that group of people is not contributing. Okay, so for the, it could, for be, the record, it could be me, it could right. be me, it could have been Carlito, it could have been anybody. Uh, and, you know, and the fact is that this is not the kind of things that you bring publicly for the consumers. Right. Okay. Uh, if there is an issue, you, you know, you address it within the industry. And you know, one of the things, one of the things that, that make a, a, our industry like very different from every every other industry is that you know we the manufacturers we look forward to spend time with each other. We like each other. We're friends. We spend time together with no agenda, just because we enjoy hanging out together. Families together with families. This even. is this is our industry, man. These are families being friends. Okay, we compete in the marketplace, but we don't compete by going to say, you know, don't smoke that cigar because it's bad. Smoke mine. No, we don't do that. I smoke. I enjoy. Well, Skip Martin does that. I, but yeah, I, I enjoy <laughs> other, other brands other than mine. Okay. And I enjoy the people in the industry. And so, you know, then you cannot bring this uh, uh, controversy, uh, especially publicly. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the consumer don't need to know something like this. Uh, you know, and, and the reality is, you know, we do like each other. We have a great friendship, a great camaraderie, okay? with the Dominican Republic and Nicaragua and Honduras and wherever cigars are made, we are all part of a big family. Okay. And I, I thought that there was, uh, it was a direct attack and, and I got very upset and I had to respond. I'm sorry. If you attack me, I, I will respond. And, and, okay? and look, for the record, I, I just want anybody out there listening because look, there are certain people in this industry. I think I, I was talking about it in our virtual lounge last night, like, you know, Jeff Borschwitz on, on the retailer side, I, I will find it very hard to say that any other retailer has devoted his own time, money, and energy in fighting legislation. And Lito Gomez, you've been just as active as almost anybody I know. So that definitely, you know, was a trigger. And I think a lot of, you're right, you know, that really shouldn't have been a public forum. I think that's why a lot of the, the consumers are like, holy cow, you know, usually you won't <laughs> see, you know, manufacturers you know, get into this kind of debate. Have it, you rock- it's not, it's, it's not right. It's not right. And I, you know, I, I, I reacted the way I react. I'm sorry, you know, I'm who I am. I cannot be somebody else, but you know, I, I, I react. And, uh, uh, but, but the issue is that, and, and the truth is, you know, uh, in pro cigar, okay. Um, you have, you know, family companies, like, you know, you have Fuente, uh, you have La Flor, you have La Aurora, uh, you know, you have Hochi Blanco, uh, you have PDR, but they, you know, they, they're family-owned companies. And then, you know, you, you have uh, Altadis, okay, you have uh, General Cigars or, or ST Group, uh, you have Davidoff, they're big corporations, okay. And 
you know, the uh, uh, the industry has been divided, okay, in, in, in the political fight, okay, or in the legislative. You know, we have, you know, a part of the CRA, okay, and the CRA, it's, it's mostly, you know, family-owned companies. And Alta this and uh, General Cigars have never been a part of, uh, of this organization. They're part of the CAA. And they, they, they're also putting a lot of money for their fight. They just don't fight through our organization, through CRA. Okay? It, it's, it's, they see different because they also make machine-made cigars. Right, the the agendas don't always align on every point. So I mean, it's a different agenda, and you know, the the biggest part of the uh, the bulk of the business for these companies is the machine made cigars. The the, the handmade cigars, the premium cigars, are very small, and he then knows. you know, their their agenda is different than ours. Okay, so the, there's a division in that sense, it, and and it's not a bad division. I mean, it's just a it's a conflict, which is natural. If I will be, if I will be the president of General Cigars, I will be protected, trying to protect, you know, the biggest part of my company. Okay, and and it, it's a natural thing. It's not that they are bad people. It's just they have an agenda to protect their company that is different than ours. I only make, you know, I only make, you know, handmade cigars, premium cigars. Okay, uh, and for me, it's very clear. But for them, it's a different thing. It's a different uh, organization. So they, 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 they're not contributing through our organization for the fight. But they spend millions of dollars in lobbying in Washington to try to, you know, save their, their machine-made cigars too. Okay? And uh, uh, so uh, this is the way the industry set up. And it so happens that these companies are in Dominican Republic. And they're part of Pro Cigar. And, you know, when I, you know, I am extreme right when it comes to protecting, you know, and separating premium cigars from all the rest of tobacco. Okay. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm an extremist. Okay? Hardcore. I don't allow anything. I don't want to, you know, the only, because I see, I think that the only thing that can be saved from this regulation, it's premium cigars. Okay. Have have you and Rocky talked since then? We have not. Really? Wow. We have not. Uh, uh, you know, it, it, we haven't got together. And then, you know, this whole 2020 thing, right after that, the whole pandemic thing. And right. now we don't travel. We don't, you know, we don't right. do uh, events. Each other. Uh, and, uh, uh, but, you know, it, it, is, uh, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, I I. I I thought it was very, uh, very unfair comment to, uh, uh, and especially, you know, to bring it publicly, uh, um, because it, it, it looked like, you know, I spent a lot of a lot of my time fighting for my industry, and I spent a lot of money. Yep. Okay. Every year, put a lot of money to defend the industry for the, for the small company that I have, and uh, you know. In a comment like that, it looks like I'm a part of that too. I, I don't put it. I'm, I don't put any effort. Uh, and uh, so I, 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 I reacted to an attack at that moment. That's And look, I don't think anyone felt that your comment was not, 
you know, it was totally out of line. I, I think it was, there was an attack and you defend yourself. I think it was just a shock for a lot of people to see. And look, just like anybody else, you said, look, this, this, I think Lou Rothman said it, we're the only industry where you could know who you're talking about without ever using anybody's last name, right? You know, you say Lou, you know who you're talking about. You say Lito, you know who you're talking yeah. about. You say Abe, you know who you're talking about. Yeah. I know that probably pisses off Abe Flores, but it's still the truth. Um, <laughs> but, 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 you know, we, we are a family. And honestly, a lot of times, and it's happened before, is like, we don't like to see the conflict, honestly. I mean, look, there are some trolls that enjoy it. But, like, when I see my friends or cigar makers that are, I'm friends with both get in conflict, we don't like to see that. You know I mean? It's it's like watching your own brothers and sisters fight. You know, it's like, you know, that's the type of industry is. We are a family, and Lido is. And I'm I'm confident just by knowing this industry and how it is. Had there been a trade show, Lido and Rocky would have ran into each other and shook hands and you know talked about it and bygones would be bygones and we move on and keep doing what we love doing that's kind of what makes this industry awesome to be in yeah and it should be it should be that way and you know just put it behind and you know uh and it should be that way there, there's there's no need for for any anybody in this industry to have a confrontation or an industry or become enemies i mean there's no there's no need it's not a part of this industry i mean uh, man, you know what? You know one of the reasons that I that I fell in love with this industry when I started it because it was because of the people involved in the industry. My colleagues, I I, I tell you one thing. You know, in 1997, I started in '94. In 1997, I had a fire at the factory. Okay, my cigar room got on fire. That happened. That happened on a Sunday afternoon. I was at home in Miami. Okay, so I get a call from, uh, you know, my former at the factory, and he told me what was happening, and I say, oh, my God. And uh, so, you know, I look at my watch, and I, I knew there was a flight leaving in a couple of hours. So I took a quick shower, went to the airport, flew in that Sunday night into Puerto Plata, and, you know, came to the factory uh, and saw the damage. And uh, that was on a Sunday. Monday morning, about 11 a.m., one of the tobacco suppliers here in Dominican came to the factory and asked for me. Okay. And so I come out and I greet the guy and you know, I say, you know, Lito, uh, how are you? I'm sorry for what happened. Uh, and uh, just wanted, wanted to tell you that Ed, Edgar Coleman Jr. sent me here to tell you that whatever you need from General Cigars is at your disposal. Wow. You know, you know Edgar, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, who's the head yeah, of general? These, the guys are, yeah, these guys are millionaires, are billionaires from New York, right? Third gen I'm third a poor guy trying to make yeah. a living in the American Republic with a very small factory, pretty much unknown at the time. And this guy sent somebody to talk to me and send me that whatever I need is at my disposal. Yeah, the call. And in the, in the next few days, everybody else did the same thing. Yeah. For those for those listeners who don't know, the Cullman family is basically the, the family that privately owned General Cigars until they were acquired uh, fully and basically ended three or four generations of <laughs> that family being in the tobacco industry. Um, but, um, but 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 stories like that are common. 
believe it or not. Where very common, very common, and, and I think it's. I think early on, I think Jonathan, and this is like when we first became friends. So we're talking over twenty some years ago. Jonathan was telling me how he was having a real hard time with some tobacco and how to work it. And um, at that time, Ernesto Perez Carrillo like went and spent like five days at their factory working with him and helping him. And, you know, this is the first time I heard this. Well, wait, hold on. So a guy who owns another brand came to your place and, you know, and it was like I was like flabbergasted. Right? I never heard of this. Right. Yeah. You know, this is like this is like, you know. Ferrari helping Ford build an engine for the race, right? <laughs> right, right. And um, I was flabbergasted by that time of 20 years ago. But oddly enough, there are a lot of stories, whether it was Kiki's Barn that burned down once or whatever. Um, look, just like America during during unfortunate tragedies, right? They, this industry comes together. And honestly, unlike many other ones, I, I, I don't why see, do you I think, see why that Why do you think that is? Because, because they, they, all know the, they all know the struggle. I mean, look, at the end of the day, friendly competition is healthy, right? We were talking about this last night, right? It, it, Jeff and I and Tanya and my wife, we're, we're all really, really good friends. I mean, when I wanted advice on how to lay out the warehouse that we're getting now for our fulfillment center, for our e-commerce, I, 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 I've never built a warehouse. I, I, I tell you, I called her up and they're like, yeah, come on up. And we went spent the day, had lunch and dinner together, our families. Tanya took me to the shop, took me to their warehouse, taught me a lot of stuff to help me hopefully avoid tragedies. And yet we're still competitors. You could be competitors and healthy because, look, if we're good competitors, and and and, and I've, kind of, I've kind of on a personal level felt this over the years, right? I think that there are certain ways that I've made Jeff better at his game and there are certain ways Jeff's made me better at my game, right? And And, and that's what good competition do. And good competitors like that healthy growth and, and respect one another for that healthy growth. So, and yeah. I think that's kind of throughout the cigar industry, you know, no one, you, you gotta be really petty and bitter. If you're worried that this guy might sell five cigars more than you, because you helped him. It's, it, it doesn't come down to those kind of numbers. And, and they, 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 they really, I, I see it a lot on the, on the manufacturer side, not so much on the retailer side, I mean, there are retailer stories. Retailers are a little more cutthroat, right? I mean, honestly, I mean, there's a group of people who get along and whatever, but retailers can be a little bit more cutthroat about the manufacturer side. And I, and I think it just goes back to ancestral farming. That's kind of how farmers were. You know, the farming community, whether it's tobacco or a crop, most of them, since early time, they, they've had to help one another when there were problems, when there were strains, when 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 viruses or you know bacteria it was attacking crops and how do we attack it as a whole and I think that just over time that's the the psyche the mentality of a farmer. Yeah, hey, hey, a, a little while ago we were talking we were talking about you know the, the this is the golden age of cigars. Okay, we're talking about the level of professional retailers, talking about the level of quality of cigars in the retail shops. Why is that happen? But that happens because of competition. Mm -hmm. And we compete with each other. How do we compete? Okay, things are getting good. You, you got to be, you, you, being good is not enough anymore. You got to be, you got to be very good. You got to be at the top. You got to be excellent. Okay, because that's the game now. If you can reach that high, that level, you know, you're out of the game. And that's competition. That's what we do. We compete with each other. You know, when when Abe came into town and, you know, opened a cigar shop and with with all his ideas and, you know, 
and, and then, you know, if you're a retailer in town and you want to compete, you got to pick fucking good. Okay? And this is how this is how, this is how the levels improve. We raise the bar. Somebody comes and raises the bar, and you gotta you gotta meet it. Okay, and what's the result at the end? Well, the result is that the consumers get benefit from all this. That's that's always been my argument. He's absolutely look. I, I I'm very proud. Uh, there's certain things that are always my babies in my company, right? I, there's things I develop and get the ball rolling and other people run. Uh, and there's certain things, that, like the Cigar of the Month Club has been my personal project, right? It took me a long time, many years of being in this business before I said, look, I'm going to start one. I'm going to do it right. And I'm telling you, I, without a doubt, feel that what we have done, my company over the last year and a half with Cigar of the Month Club, has raised the bar across the board. A, yeah. a lot of other retailers are upping their game, changed the way they're doing it. Because for many years, Cigar of the Month Club was nothing that anybody talked about. Nobody ever talked about Cigar of the Month Club. It was like, you know, it was like, uh, you know, chicken nuggets on a menu, right? Every menu has it. And no one really, you know, cared about it. And all of a sudden, we made it a, an exciting, hot thing that everybody looked forward to every month. And everybody's game. I've seen prices come down. I've seen qualities of other packages go up, you know. And at the end, who benefits? It's the consumer, right? They, they get the benefit over it. You know, I just try to maintain myself as the person leading that curve change instead of <laughs> playing catch up at the end of the curve change. You know, that's 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 where you try to be if you want to be successful. So, yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, that's healthy competition. So we got coupon this week, Paul. We do. Before we go to coupon, oh. I just want to briefly bring up the fact that, Lito, you just last year celebrated your 25th anniversary of, of LFD, correct? That's correct. Yes. So, did you when you when you're hitting that kind of milestone? I mean, when when you started the company after you got out of the jewelry business, did you did you have any idea that you would that you would become one who who you are now and and would get to 25 years in this business? Um, you know, I have dreams, uh, and and. Uh, um, you know, I, I, I remember, um, in very, I think it was 1996 or something. And, um, it was one of these, uh, dinners that Marvin Shankin makes, uh, in New York. Uh, it was a night to remember, night to remember. And, uh, or, uh, or a very special dinner in which, they, they, they selected some uh, cigar makers for the Hall of Fame, um, uh, the Hall of Fame of cigars. <clears throat> and um, we were invited to that dinner. And um, uh, I remember Gordon Mott came and asked me that, you know, Marvin wanted me to sit in the head table with him. Okay. So my wife and I, you know, we, we were surprised. And so we sat with him. And I was sitting next to Marvin, and, and uh, so um, we were talking, and then at some point uh, we were having dinner, Marvin asked me, Lito, what, what is your business plan? And I looked at him, as a, and I'm thinking, what is he talking about? Uh, and, uh, and I didn't know what to respond to that. I didn't know what a business plan was. Uh, and uh, I just told him, listen, um, I, I just want to become a great cigar maker one day. 
that's all that was in my mind at that point. I I I I I, I took this challenge in a way that uh, uh, that it was very complicated because I wanted to make our own cigars from day one. Normally, you know, somebody gets into the industry and you know finds a good manufacturer to make the cigars for them. Uh, and and they, they they outsource the manufacturing, but I I and I don't find anything wrong with that. Just for my my idea, well, I I like to make things myself. Okay, I like to you know uh, having that kind of control. Um, uh, but uh, and that's that's what complicated everything. And since I took that challenge and I say you know I'm going to make our own cigars. I had to become a great cigar maker, and that, that, that was the only thing that I had in my mind. If I made 100,000 cigars, or if I made a million, or I, I had no plans for making a million or making two million cigars or whatever it was, or, or what the size of my company would be. I just wanted to be recognized as a, as a good cigar maker uh, and build a name within my, within my industry. Which at the time I, I thought I, I thought it was totally crazy. I thought it was nonsense, you know. Uh, I, I just did it out of uh, some kind of a voice inside that was telling me go ahead and do this. But logically, it didn't make any sense for me to come here and try to make cigars and compete with families that you know been making cigars for generations. Right. Uh, it, it didn't make any sense logically. Okay. I, I just had some something inside that was telling me, go ahead and do it. You can do it. Uh, and, and for me, it was just to, uh, uh, I had the dream and I wanted to become a, a good uh, uh, and respected cigar maker. That's all I had in my mind. I had no plans for numbers or size or anything like that. That's and a good plan. I, I, I'm blessed that this happened, that I'm sitting here talking to you today. I'm just, I feel very blessed. That's not necessarily a bad, bad plan. Let's, I have to ask, because it brings us up every week. I think one of our top fans, Casey Aldumani, like has an infatuation with Blue Mold, because every week I have to ask about Blue Mold. But, you know, we have one of a question from our listeners. He wants to know how Blue Mold has affected you um, the last few years, and has it been an effect on your company? Uh, see, the, in, in the, in the uh, valley of the Cibao, okay, which is the area with uh, most of the tobaccos grown in the Dominican Republic, Okay, um, the, the 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 place where I am, it's it's called the desert of the valley. Okay, it can be raining in the whole rest of the valley, and in La Canela, where my farm is, it doesn't rain. <laughs> you have a bubble. Okay, it's very dry, it's very hot, and it's very sunny. Okay, what brings blue mold? Okay. Blue mold comes when you know you the, the the temperature gets a little bit cold, okay, and then it gets very cloudy, and it is going to start raining, okay, and then you know blue mold travels uh, from uh, Cuba to Kentucky to uh, Nicaragua to the American Republic. It has it, it has a uh, a route that they, they go around, okay, and, and it travels in the stratosphere, some layer, okay, in which, you know, when rain comes down, uh, uh, forget about stratosphere, I don't even know if that's the name, 
but it travels, you know, in in a in a point in the atmosphere that when rain comes down, it comes down with rain. It brings the spores down. It, it, it brings the spores down. Okay, and uh, if the if the spores are in top of the American Republic at that point, okay, uh, and and it so happens that it's cold and it's going to rain, it it will come down with the rain. Okay. Uh, and and it will it, it will come into the plants and you know they will they, they will stay underneath in the bottom part of the leaf underneath the leaf and um, uh, uh, so they you know you don't see them until it's a little bit too late okay and uh, so um, the leaf start uh, start turning uh, blue spots in the bottom and that's when you realize that you have it but at that point it's already too late okay. And uh, so the uh, the fact that I'm in this area with so little incidence of rain, it really benefits me. And blue mold is not even an issue in my farm. That's great news. Yeah. There, there you go, Casey Aldomani. I'll see you next week with the same question. Aldolani. Aldolani. He corrects my pronunciation Listen, of his name. He's an Aldomani, and Eric's a Gutterman. That's the way it is. Aldolani. <laughs> yeah. You you keep actually you get a lot of flack for pronouncing. Uh, Listen, uh, I've been calling him wrong. from day one. It's going to be hard to change it at this point. <laughs> He's just, it's just easier to keep calling him. Listen, listen. If anybody still says, has he any still says talk, my name wrong. <laughs> I, I, I say your name right all the time. You even, he actually quizzed me on it yesterday. How do you say <laughs> my name? How do you spell it? But if anybody has justification to butcher anybody's last name, it's without a doubt me. It's a debate. So, you know. <laughs> Guttermerson it is. So uh, we have uh, live from uh, North Carolina, Mr. William Cooper is with us. Coop, you have to unmute yourself because I muted you manually, just so you know. Can you hear me? Can I, you hear me? I, have to, I have to, before we go further, always a welcome, pleasure to have you, Coop. Caught your show most of it the other night. Um, is he frozen or is he there? I can't tell. Can you hear me? He's here. I'm here. He's being slow. He's with okay. us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Can I hear you so, guys? Okay. Yeah. Okay, so I have to dissect the, the background that I'm looking at. First off, I just want to understand, is that a basket of laundry over your left shoulder that keeps coming in and out of your background? Yes, other, I think so. Right the shoulder. other side. No, it's not. It's not laundry. <laughs> because well, that's getting picked up and not faded out in your fake background. Oh, and then, <laughs> and then, of my and grandmother's then, house. Yeah, and then the other thing I just want to make sure I understand, when selecting a fake background image, you have a fake background that has the fake light, like you're being shined a light on. Is that, like, a purposely done? Because I think it's funny. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. I, I, I think it's funny. I just I had to confirm that. Yeah, nice shirt, sure. Coop. The laundry the laundry's real. The light's fake. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Lito. How you doing, Lito? I'm doing awesome. How are you? Yeah, nice good to see you. Man. You too. You too. So what's going on, Coop? Well, we got some news this week. Um, let's kick it off. The uh, announcement has come from Foundation Cigar Company, the company owned by Nick Melillo. And he has announced a third blend that's going to come under the Charter Oak line, which is a Charter Oak Habano, which is going to use a Habano wrapper. So Charter Oak is one of the, I'd say it's one of the more entry-level brands in the Foundation Cigar Portfolio. And it's uh, named uh, after the uh, charter, the charter oak tree, 
which is kind of a historical symbol in Malolo's home state of Connecticut right now. So um, this is going to be coming in six sizes, um, which is the same five sizes as the rest of the Charter Oak line. But there's also going to be a six size, which is going to be in a torpedo. So folks can expect to start to see that cigar this fall. All right. Interesting. Yep. Uh Second item, and this one, uh, kind of a timely item, an interesting story came out this week. Lost and Found, uh, that's a brand uh, owned by Robert Caldwell, Tony Bellotto, Jacqueline Sears. Uh, it's a brand where they basically go into factories and they buy up cigars, and they basically repackage those cigars and um, sell them, you know, give them some new life, so to speak. Uh, it's something that goes on a lot. Um over the past year, Caldwell has been doing some of these lost and founds to support various charitable initiatives. And there's one that's going to support the Tunnels to Towers Foundation, which basically supported a lot of the first responders going back to the, to the 9-11 days. Um, and that cigar is going to be called The One. Now, what's interesting about that cigar is they have teamed up with the guys from Protocol Cigars. Um, and from what talking to the Protocol guys and to Caldwell... It's not really a collaboration where they develop the blend. It's more along the lines that uh, Protocol's putting their name on the cigar. Protocol being a brand uh, that's around law enforcement, they're going to help promote the project right now. Um, it's interesting because it's also the first project that Protocol's done kind of outside of Lazona uh, with a blend. So those cigars are expected to go on sale uh, this month. From what I caught from the show... Um, Caldwell actually went to them to make sure that it was tied to a charity that would be worthy. Is that correct? Yeah, it was. He went Juan to kind that, of yeah. helped. It was more of a collaboration of look, we want to raise this money. Where's the best place to send the money? And that right, you guys kind of would, the collaboration. You guys would know, right? Yeah, and and on top of that, they can really, you know, they have a, Juan's got a lot of connect. You know, say what you want about Juan, he's got a lot of connections in in in, in that area too. Uh, you know, obviously he was, he talked about on my show, his experiences with nine 11, yeah. you guys mentioned earlier. So it, that's kind of what they're looking to do with those guys there. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the project there. Um, right. yep. So like I said, you could expect, uh, your, uh, about the cigar from what I understand, it's an old Dominican blend, uh, in a five by 50 Robusto. So, um, those cigars, I, I, from what I understand, people are asking where you can get them. If, if you're carrying Caldwell, your Caldwell retailer can order it, is what I've been told. What else you got going, Coop? Uh, light week this week, but there's one other story. Um, there, there was a trade show that was scheduled in Germany that was going to take the place of the Intertabac 2020, um, and it was called the ITS Hub. And it was going to be a, a hybrid trade show with parts of it virtual and parts of it uh, on site. What they kind of discovered is that wasn't going to work real well either because there were a lot of people that were still going to be required to be on site to run the virtual trade show. <laughs> um, there were travel issues and all that. So that has fallen through, and that is not going to happen this year. Was that supposed to be in addition to an Intertabac or instead of Intertabac? Instead of. Okay. Instead, so inner tobacco was canceled. Then they were going to go with this hybrid approach. A lot of people were saying, "Hey, this is like the new model." Except when they started looking at executing the logistics, you still got to have a lot of people on site uh, to to make that happen. And a lot of people were still going to have to travel. Like manufacturers were still going to have to travel to this in a lot of cases. And a lot of them uh, weren't really keen on traveling or or can't travel. So ultimately, that has fallen through, and that will not happen this year. Huh. 
Now, when was that slated to happen? Uh, November. This year? Yeah, this year in yeah, November. Still a little close. Yeah, November 3rd and November 4th. Yeah, so it's a little close. Um, and from what I'm, I mean, talking to some folks in Europe, they're kind of going through a second wave there right now uh, in some countries. Now, um, what are you smoking? I got to ask you. Oh, I'm smoking a, uh, this is an a Florida Minicana. Uh, this is the TAA, the Oro Segundo edition. And uh, I've not said this, I'm not saying this because Lido's on, right? But I've said this on many times. I think LFD, along with like Tatawahe, maybe Crown Heads is the other two. Those three, they're the ones that consistently, I think, deliver the best TAA cigars every year. Uh, this is the natural blend. It's a, this, is, this is fantastic. If you haven't smoked a cigar and you can find it, you got to get it. This is Thank one of the better both. TA cigars I've had yet. I've had the Oro a few times. I haven't had that one though, but I, I really like the the uh, the Oro. The Oro is great. That chisel that chisel is great in the Oro. Oh, I really like it. Yeah. Anything? Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Coop. No, Abe. It's a light week. Those are the three stories this week. Right. Coop. While we have you here, and while Lido is here. Did you have any? Do you have any other questions that? Because sometimes we'll have guys on, and then Coop will be like, "Oh, you should have asked him this." Was, is there <laughs> anything that pops in your mind that you wanna you wanna ask Lido while you're here with us? We still have him. We we, we don't have three and a half hours though. Just no, no. <laughs> Thank you. mind. Uh, <laughs> We've got like twenty minutes it. tops. Yeah. So so Lido, um, I know as far as some of the newer products you, you've got coming out um, or, or having maybe in the pipeline, there is another TAA cigar that's scheduled to come out, correct, uh, that's for this year? Uh, that's the yeah. Tessera edition. And can you tell us anything about that cigar? Uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> you're going you're gonna to love it. If you love that one, you're going to love the next one, yeah. Okay. <laughs> is that something we can expect to see pretty soon? Um, uh, in the next uh, 45 days or so. That's great. Oh, that's soon, yeah. yeah. That, that's yeah. the plan, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited about it. That's great news. That's great news. How about the um, the LG series? I mean, I know I've heard some talk for a while that the LG series was going to be making a comeback, and I know, you know, everything going on. Are there still plans to bring an LG series release out? Uh, yeah, I, I, at, the, at the beginning of the show, Abe asked me what I was smoking, and uh, I, I was telling him that I, I was at the sorting tables yesterday, uh, sorting some of the uh, um, uh, wrappers from the farm, and it's looking really awesome, and it's smoking great. So I think I'm ready. That's great news. It's, it's doing a comeback really soon. Yep. That's that, uh, awesome. First on KMA, the blend he's smoking, he's saying is good to go. <laughs> that scoop, getting the coop, hey, coop getting the scoop. The more, yeah. the more I smoke into it, the more I like it, man. He's still you smoking know. it, so that's a good sign. Don't you love when you discover, I love when I grab something I never had before and I have that experience, right? Like, it's not just I'm enjoying a cigar. It's a good cigar. Like, wow, man. It's, you know, but that's usually when I get, like, compulsive and obsessive. And I'll go and I make sure I have 300 in my humidor because <laughs> I just got wowed by something. And then that'll be the cigar I'll smoke for three or four months and then I move on. You know, but that, yeah, I'm, I'm a little compulsive when I hit a cigar like I'll that. I'll be honest, though. I, I still almost exclusively smoke new cigars to me. So, I, I mean, maybe because I'm... 
mean, listen, I've been smoking cigars for a while, but I, you know, I've only been brought into this world as in depth, you know, for the last four or five years. So I, I want to try everything I possibly can try. There are staples that, you know, when I go to a shop, I'll, I'll definitely grab one of these. I'll grab one of those, but I, I like to try new things as much as possible. And I kind of have like a running list in my head of, of if I don't see something new that I, that I've wanted to try, I'll, I'll go back to my staples. But I don't know if that's, that's just me or if that's. No, most people I think are that way. They have the staple core that they enjoy, but they, you know, float around and try new stuff. But before I forget, cause I tend to get sidetracked, I need to address top fan, Ronnie Haysha, who uh, I'm going to have to remove his top fan badge. Cause he because just woke up. You, yeah, you can't come into the show at 11.42 and start asking what we talked about and didn't talk about. <laughs> yeah, you, okay, either you get up and watch the show or whatever, but he's trying to get the cliff notes now with 15 minutes left in the show. <laughs> that is not top fan status as far as I'm concerned. We'll have to we'll have to remove that badge. <laughs> we can, actually. I think we can manually remove I it. I can. No, no, I have that option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have that option. I want to mention something uh, actually about Lido. This guy is is one of the this guy on the dance floor, he's the king. I saw him at Pro Cigar this year. Lido is the king of the dance floor. Uh, I gotta Coop. tell you guys that right Coop. now. Should we should we make a dancing with the stars event? Cigar industry wise? Dude, that's a Here great idea. I mean, we I, just thought, I mean look, this is how my stupid brain works, right? Lido Lido be your favorite. Put, put your money on Lido. I'm Lito looks you right like now. a dancer, but I, I'm going to tell you something. I bet you you'll be shocked how many of these guys got moves. I think I should coordinate a weekend or one day Dancing with the Cigars Stars event. I want to see so- I want to see Sokka dance. I said it. I said it first here. I said Listen. it first here on KMA Talk Radio. It's my idea. I, I, I would recruit Nestor Miranda in there too. Oh, absolutely. Don't, don't let don't. Nestor and Lito, they were really the life of the party down at Pro Cigar. They did a great job down there. Uh, and it was that was my first Pro Cigar. And it was just a, a wonderful experience. I mean We can get five we can get five local dancers. I, I bet you I do. We could broadcast it out. I bet you'd be a great show. We need to make this a KMA Saturday that, that show. That actually Saturday. would be really, really fun, yeah. I'm telling you, go to a nice dance studio. We we're, we're, we're making this happen. This is 2021 happening, without a doubt. I, I think it's I'm a great. Game. I'm game. Listen, Lito, put your money on Lido. I'm just <laughs> telling you. <laughs> well, Coop, uh, thank that's you awesome. for the great idea. Thank you for Wait. the update, Coop. How, Coop uh, well, Coop. Abe came up with the idea and recruited you. I just, I just wanted to pay homage to Lido out there. But, but look, that's what it's all about. It's yeah. about having yeah. fun. I think if we can get five yeah. good like cigar manufacturers and do a little dance competition, I think it'd be awesome. I don't want to get just good guys, though. I want somebody that everybody secretly knows as a horrific dancer as well to be in, because make it make it entertaining. <laughs> you know, you'll have guys like Lido, but then you'll well, no. <laughs> what you do is you get guys who think they're great, okay, like that's Eric fine. Espinosa. Right in his mind, <laughs> I bet you Eric Espinosa thinks like he's you know the next Harry Belafonte, right? You know, so you get guys like him because you know Eric still thinks he's an awesome karaoke singer, oh, right? He thinks he is a so great you singer, get guys yeah. like he knows, Eric one, he knows one song. He knows one song. Yeah, <laughs> four non-blondes. Yeah, I mean the, the guy yeah. still thinks he's a good card player. 
right? <laughs> oh, oh, ouch. Wow. Ouch. So, yeah, you get you get guys like Eric Espinosa who mentally think that they're incredible dancers. You don't have to get bad ones. They're just, they'll, they'll, line, they'll line up. Right. But then again, Eric's the type of woman, uh, bro, real men don't, alpha dog don't dance. <laughs> alpha dog don't dance. We don't dance. So you never oh, know. Man. Yeah. Well, Coop, thanks for thanks for giving us that idea. What's, uh, <laughs> I just put it. Abe, I just said it. Abe, Abe came up with the idea. What can we What can we expect from uh, cigar-coop.com in the coming week? I think if we do that dance competition, we definitely got to try to recruit Skip Martin, though. Uh, somebody already <laughs> mentioned it. Yeah, uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you could do that. That would be. Uh, I mean, you got. I got to tell you another guy you could get is um, Omar DeFrius is really good. Oh, I heard from Fratello. He is really good. I saw I him heard, in action. I heard he's a, a real good dancer. Or I saw some video he did up at Two Guys or something. Or I think they had a dance competition at Two Guys. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Or something. There was some At reason why he was dancing shop? up there. I thought somewhere. I, I'm not sure, but but Omar was on the dance floor down at Pro Cigar. I, let me put this: yeah, I was not good. on the dance floor, and I will not be in this competition. Yeah, it's good. And yeah. we're not going to make you a judge. We're just going to save that for jerky. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm, I am not qualified. To well, dance. we already know he's biased. We already know he's biased. He, his, he's already saying that Lito's going to win. It's not biased. Listen, it's listen, I'm making my bets. That's all. <laughs> if I had to do, I'll do the odds making, and I can tell you who's going to win. Coop's, take, Coop's taking action. There we go. Coop will handicap. Yeah, right. Taking the action. Mike Power is yeah. saying that Caldwell's probably a good dancer too. I can see that. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, I can Juan Cancel could do the wobble. See, that's what I. But guys like Juan Cancel will make it very entertaining. As but well. I think Juan, I think Juan's another guy in that category who probably thinks like he's a Harry Belafonte right. dancer. So that's why you got to have a couple of those guys. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I agree. And apparently Matt Booth is a good dancer too. Oh, that, see, that's a shocker. I wouldn't have saw that. I could no. not imagine him getting up and dancing. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I mean, <laughs> with some of the funk. I mean, that funk I music. can't imagine Matt Booth dancing without getting in some kind of like sexual or pornographic yeah. positions. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's Matt what he does. Matt knows that funk music pretty well, so. <laughs> Coop, what's coming up on Cigar-Coop.com this week that we can expect? Uh, Espinosa Warhead's getting reviewed this week. Uh, the Hoya de Nicaragua, uh, Cinco de Cadas Fundador's getting reviewed, and the Cohiba Royale. Okay. Well, let's yep. check it out at Cigar-Coop.com for all cigar-related news. No teasers, no rumors. Oh. You only get those here. One more thing. Yeah. One more thing I'll tell you guys. Uh, on Tuesday, Bear and I are going to be going through the Saka STFU pack. Oh, uh, okay. And tasting it on the air. First time, uh, right? You're not going to taste it before then. Not tasting it beforehand. Uh, we're we're going to also be going through kind of the history of Saka's portfolio. Saka won't be on the show. Because I don't think if we have soccer on the show while we're tasting it, I don't think it's going to help us really in this case. So right. I think uh, well, we'll he do can it fill and, he can fill a lot of the dead time when you guys are actually smoking with commentary. Well, that's why we're going to go through the, the the evolution of his portfolio that night. So yeah. are you going to yeah. make are you going to to make observations on which you think are the double sweet tips, the sweet tips, and the non sweet tips? We're going to make the guesses. Yeah. So keep a record gonna, of that because yeah, I want to see if you're right. Yeah, no, we're going to do that, and we're asking people, if you haven't gone through your pack, don't tune in live, but if you want to smoke along with us that night, 
uh, we'll get we'll have it set up so you can smoke along with us that night. So, so something a little. We've never done something like this before, so we'll see how it goes. Abe, do you guys even have any of those packs left, or are you sold out? Maybe. Oh, because I'm sure there's people out there that didn't jump on the bandwagon right away that want to buy. Maybe. I got I got mine from Smoke In. Bear and I got ours from Smoke In, so I haven't gotten any yet. I, want I tend to... to be I tend to be the habit of taking very limited stuff and hiding some right when they come in before we sell them all out. <laughs> very true. Yeah. I tend to be in that habit. <laughs> all right, let's let's see who uh, belongs in the insane asylum this week. All right, here we go. I gotta get this because I haven't. I haven't read it yet, but Alex already under protest, so we'll. Yeah, I, I'm filing right. an appeal. Hold on, but hold go on. Ahead. The music is coming on now. Don't, don't ruin it. Welcome to the Cigar Asylum. Did you know I'm utterly insane? We all go a little mad sometimes. Where logic and reason cease to exist. Now you're back live. Okay. All right. Brought to you this week by the fine folks of CLE and Asylum Cigars. Let's see who belongs in the Cigar Insane Asylum. This week's inductee really proves how determined a man can be, even to his own detriment. An 80-year-old man in France was having a normal day. He prepared his dinner and was sitting down to enjoy when he noticed something. A pest. A fly that was terrorizing him. He decided it was time to take action and using an electrified fly swatter... Wow, didn't even know they made that. Oh, yeah, I have one here. I should go. Yeah, like tennis rackets. Yeah. Do you you bring that in the bedroom at night for some fun or no? No, dude, it hurts like you wouldn't believe. So you've tried it. It works. It works. It works. Listen, I have have shocked myself with it. My mother-in-law has one sitting outside because for some reason during COVID here, the yellow jackets on Long Island are unbelievable. And you, when you swat, the two pieces of metal hit each other, and it, there's a bright blue spark that comes off of it. So I was like, "There's no way they would sell this if it's if it if it's painful, you know? It, it, it's a it's a consumer product, dude." So you tested it on yourself? Yeah, it a couple times, ac- accidentally the other times. The first time I did it on purpose, but did you have you to discharge yourself? it. No, but I've had a <laughs> I've had a dog shock collar around my neck for for doing a, a show called Batsu, which is a Japanese improv show that we do. And that was that was painful when it was full bore. This is exactly like a taser. And I've been tased before, too, actually, in that same wow. show. This is like used, a taser. When we used to have our, uh, a real producer back in the day, and he, <laughs> and, and he had segments, and he had segments, that used to be one of our segments called Shock Collar Trivia. Yeah. And our producer would wear a shot collar we ask him 10 questions and when he <laughs> who had the remote lady m oh you'd never never would happen i would never give you that power it is it's painful <laughs> anyways let's get back to the story um he decided it was time to take action using an electrified fly swatter the man started out to eliminate the fly who was ruining his dinner unfortunately yeah. for the man and the fly ooh, a gas can that was leaking was nearby. A reaction between the spark of the fly swatter and the gasoline was enough to set off an explosion, destroying the kitchen and partly damaging the roof of the home. The man was able to escape with minor injuries, but we have not had any commentary from the fly yet. (laughs) Congratulations, Mr. Fly Assassin. You are this week's inductee into the Cigar Insane Asylum. Yeah, I mean, I think this guy mediocre, deserves an appeal. Mediocre at best. 
At best, I mean, Paul shocks himself. This guy had an accident. Really? <laughs> Actually, I well, yeah, with the fly swatter. The other times, it was a beautiful uh, Japanese host of the improv show that shocked me. So I let her. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, Lito, what are your plans this weekend? Are you doing anything? Uh, other than meeting with the president? You got the meeting, yeah. Do you know when you're heading back yet or not? Uh, I'm heading back to Miami on Thursday. Next Thursday. Okay. All right, yeah, good. I'm, I'm, uh, since I stayed for today, so I'm, I'm going to stay through the weekend here. Uh, uh, tomorrow I'll spend the day at the farm. Uh, we're putting the first seeds in the ground uh, for, the, for, uh, for the next crop uh, tomorrow. So I'll, I'll, I'll spend my day at the farm tomorrow. In, in oh, wow. normal circumstances, how how often are you down at the farm? Um, every week. Uh, you you're know, in the farm. You know, I, 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 I'm there more during the season, during the growing season. Of course. Uh, when I'm off the growing season, I just go and ride horses. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. I just have to comment on how Lito Gomez has basically looked like Julius Caesar this whole show. With the I've LSD taken, logo? Yes. I've taken a couple snapshots when it was perfectly <laughs> timed around the hat that I'll be posting on later. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you, you couldn't have had, like, a more perfect background at times. It literally, like, wrapped the hat. It was perfect. <laughs> you guys got anything going on, Alex, this weekend? You're, you're a bachelor. You're living the bachelor life. I, I, I am a bachelor this weekend. Everybody's gone. I don't know yet. Unfortunately, I believe that my beloved Russian bathhouse in Miami is still closed, but I'm going to make some phone calls. <laughs> if if they're open, I'm shooting south as soon as we get out of here. Yeah, he's, but he's a Russian I can't get anybody on the phone. Uh, they still have the same answering machine from like 82. It's probably one of those box ones in there. How about um, you? So I don't know. Hello, leave you? message after beep. Right, exactly. What, what do you got going on this weekend? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do um, today. I think we're gonna do a little outside concert because on Long Island, most of everything is open. So we'll go to an outdoor concert with my sister and the kids, and then uh, tomorrow we're gonna head out east into wine country again. Since we're here and and my wife's a sommelier, we we always like to go out there and see some of our friends at the wineries. Um, so she knows oh, a lot cool. of the manufacturers. So we'll we'll do a little wine tasting tomorrow out east on Long Island. Well, I, I, I believe next week, hopefully, if we finalize a couple things, um, there'll be a press release going out regarding the Great Smoke 2021, of which, oh. Coop, you will definitely get one. We just want to get a couple things to make sure we finalize before we break the news about the Great Smoke 2021. And, of course, we have a uh, live virtual event with Eric Espinosa uh, this Thursday night, which I'm kind of excited about. There are two new cigars are debuting, Coop. Um, one yes. is a, his newest event-only cigar, the La Crema de la Ranja. The Crema de la Ranja, which is basically a cigar that is using both the La Crema wrapper and the La Ranja wrapper on one oh, cigar. Nice. Yeah, it's a, 6550, it's a 6550 barber pole that will not be for sale. It only can be obtained uh, free with purchase during uh, you know virtual events or events that they'll do. And, of course, it'll be the early pre-release of um, the first Culebra that come out of the La Zona factory, La Trenza, that he made exclusively for smoke-in. And we have a very small early allotment of those with not all the finished packaging. There's some footer bands that weren't ready yet, but we got an early allotment of them 
that we'll have available um, in some packages. Are those the cigars that are twisted together? Yes. Yes. Can I ask you, I know nothing about these. I've never smoked them. I don't. No, you don't. You don't smoke them together, Paul. No. (laughs) Oh, I've seen. I've seen people try. No, you don't. Yeah. People try, but the the whether it's folklore or fact. (laughs) uh, No, no, whether it's folklore or fact, honestly, it's pretty much in the industry goes more towards fact and folklore. But the story was that the, the rollers back in the day were allocated three cigars to smoke. And so to, to differentiate the three cigars from stuff they were rolling on the table so they would know that no, they weren't smoking anything that was coming off the factory line, those would be the cigars that the rollers working on the benches would smoke. And you'd always know they were smoking the right one because it was curved. And so those now, are three different blends in that. There's three well, the different blends. The one in the Trenza is three different blends. It's yeah. Habano, La Crema, and La Rana. So it's three, it was three of his different lines wrapped in a braid, which, you know, and, I, and, and Coop or, or Lito, you can answer. I mean, how much of that story is folklore? How much of that story is fact on why a Culebra was created? Uh, that's the story I heard. Yeah, that's a story I've heard since I've been in yeah, the business. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so... Um, that's why I said I assume it's hardcore fact, but I don't, I don't know if it's ever been verified, but that's yeah. why it was made. But, you know, it's become an item for sale that many companies have done over time. And it's kind of like a celebratory thing and a bonding thing where three guys will bring one cigar out, untie right. it. Right. One guy will share it with two of his buddies. But Trenza actually is Spanish for the braid. So, you know, that's what Trenza translates to. So it was kind of a project Eric and I kind of put together for something later and he was managed, you know, with most of these things, and Leo could tell you, packaging is typically the delay. So, um, yeah, yeah, Eric yeah. was able to get us a small allotment for the virtual event that we'll be having um, Thursday night, September 17th, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'll be doing a 30-minute show with Eric Espinoza. I'm going to be talking about everything in his history from his early generation X brand to Rio Vibe with EO Brands to where he's at today. And then we'll have a lot of very cool, exclusive uh, product and packages will be uh, available for sale, and some giveaways we'll do at uh, approximately the event. Yeah, it usually is. So that's what we got. I'll probably going. just torture about his cooking the whole time while I'm on. <laughs> you had his cooking? At were your you house. At, were you at, at the house? house? I can't remember with, when he did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. With, with with him and Juan. Yes. I tried to make the um, Philomena's uh, replica dish. That was a fail. <laughs> it was a fail. It was a fail. He tried, but it was a fail. Paul, who do we got on next week? I mean, I'll be, I'll be shocked if you actually have a guest. We have uh, a guest, but we have a guest. Everything's lined up. I have to talk to you first. So we, it's a, this is kind of a tease, but I, I don't you have know, a, you, you know, you have like Monday through Friday to have a conversation. I do. With you, I, right? We don't have a, we don't have a final confirmation from them. So I don't want to, we do, but we don't, it's very complicated. All right. Cause I want to, hey, sure. if you go around when you do all these other podcasts and broadcasts, if there's any producers that really impress you, <laughs> we have them reach out to me and let them know, you know, that we could be looking for one. <laughs> Listen, Carney, Carney's like a, a, a real like a broadcaster now. If you notice, he's he's got shows going. He's he's all over got the place. Bar, he's got the grilling yeah, show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> have Have you eaten John Carney's food yet, Lito? Yes. He's cooked for you. Are you impressed? Uh, yes, I am. Oh, wow! Good. All uh, right, that says a lot. Yeah, oh. he, you know, he he asked me, uh, you know, how to make a lot of the things he makes. Oh! oh. 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 Wow! See? Breaking news. Uh, you know, this is not public. This is just. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not public at all. 
<laughs> you know, Carney's probably in a hotel with bad Wi-Fi going on. What? He, he is, that's exactly where he is. That's exactly where he is. He's in a hotel in New Hampshire right now. I talked to him right. before. Well, <laughs> Listen, I, I want to thank you, Lito. Awesome. Thank you for taking time. Thank you for calling in all the way from DR. It was a great show. It was great having you on again. We truly appreciate it. Um, wishing you always continued success. Best of luck in all the wonderful things you do. Coop, awesome. Appreciate it as well. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Alex, great show today, guys. We appreciate it. We don't know who's on next week. But join us. We promise you'll be fun. Everybody out there, stay safe. Keep it lit.